change lives, heal broken hearts, give me direction when I graduate. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Of course, our prayers, Lord, speak to us today. Amen. Reach over there and hug your neighbor, would you? And let them know that they're loved. All right. Scott's going to get hugged on both sides. Brother Red's ready to come over if you need him. Tell him you're good. Oh, yeah, it's a special day, so okay. He's holding the Bible. <laughs> hey, all right, all right. And Scott's mom and dad and brother and grandmother are here, and, and we do this every week, so it's, it's all right. <laughs> How you doing, brother? Good. Better now, right? Now, now, Eric, did Eric get a hug? I didn't see if Eric got a hug over there. Eric, do you need a hug? <laughs> no, Brother Red, Brother Red will... He's going to have to come over here. Oh. Uh, Eric, Eric Hansen also is here today, and uh, Eric's uh, graduating, going to OSU. And uh, we're proud of Eric and a uh, starter on the uh, football team and a uh, fine young man. And he's a boyfriend to Kristen, I guess. That's the claim to fame. All right. So we're glad you're here. Congratulations to Rodney Klein. Uh, baseball team got to, uh, what do you call that, quarterfinal, <laughs> semifinals, all right. And uh, mighty Owasa knocked them off, but hey, it's all right. I don't think that anybody expected you to get that far, so praise the Lord. And Brother Brian's track team got third, I think. Is that right? No, we state uh, states tomorrow. States tomorrow, okay. So still, still the uh, words out here, regional, I guess you were third in regional. Is that what it was? And uh, many of you remember David Lord. David uh, placed uh, first in shot put uh, for uh, uh, regional. So that's awesome. Or disc, discus, okay. One of, one of the other. He's throwing something. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. I think we've got all that out of the way now. Amen. And the shock lost last night. Well, that's important because Darlene is one of the three chaplains for the shock. I think that's quite an honor that our church would have her in that position. Amen. But she didn't have the devotion last night. So <clears throat> I rest my case. So whoever did, that one's gone. Okay. No, I'm teasing. What do you say to graduates that hasn't already been said years and years ago? But I'm going to give it a shot. And today's sermon will be relatively short, and you're all singing, hallelujah, ha, yeah, I got you. T. Allen Armstrong said this. By the way, if you, in those Bibles you were holding up, would you turn to Matthew chapter 20? We're going to look there today in Matthew chapter 20. T. Allen Armstrong said, if there is no passion in your life, then have you really lived? Find your passion. Whatever it may be, become it and let it become you and you will find great things happen for you, to you, and because of you. Is that not a great quote? Helen Keller. I long to accomplish a great and noble task, but it is my chief duty to, to accomplish humble tasks as though they were great and noble. Orison Marden, the greatest thing a man can do in this world is to make the most possible out of the stuff 
that has been given him. This is success and there is no other. Graduates, you've reached a milestone. Kim has reached another milestone. You don't graduate from college without sacrifice. She's been raising a family as a single parent to achieve this goal. What an awesome thing. The high schoolers. We all remember, don't you, that high school graduation time? Uh, In January, you forget, should I even go to school anymore? Why should I go to school? And now it's on them tomorrow night. They'll get to walk across the stage. And guess, you know, I I thought today I should have started with Miranda because it's just unfair. Because Miranda will be the last one to graduate tomorrow night. So... So if you're going, don't just wait till about 10. And, no, I'm chasing. <laughs> no. But she will get the last diploma. Isn't that awesome? It'll be awesome. They will all get their diploma. They will walk across the stage. And it's like a cattle call. In and out. They get their picture. Boy, they've got a grease machine on their graduation in jeans. And every parent will tear up. Because it's such a special moment in the life of a parent and in the life of their child. But what will it take for these young people to become great? Greatness is defined in our passage today. And Jesus talks about it. We pick it up at verse 20 and read through verses 28. So if you have your Bibles open, read along with me. Because I think Jesus truly, truly defines greatness and the achievements that they've reached today as we honor them are awesome. But yet there's more to come. Jesus, in verse 23, the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. That's the way graduates are, isn't it? You're getting out of high school, you can do anything. Absolutely anything. Just get out of my way. Dad, give me the credit card. (laughs) You can do anything, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. World by the tail. We can, they, they answered. Verse 23, Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right and left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my, by my Father. That's an important phrase. 24, when the ten heard this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and He said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercised authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. And then verse 28, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Well, there's a lot of things we could say out of those eight verses. Zig Ziglar is one of my favorite speakers. 
And Zig Ziglar in a conference I attended in Denver, Colorado, made this statement, and I've never forgotten it. If you can dream it, then you can achieve it. You will get all you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. Is that not true? Man, that's a powerful statement, isn't it? James and John's mother, the the mother of the sons of Zebedee, wanted what all mothers want for their children. For them to be successful and to experience greatness. If you'll look at verse 23 again, I want you to underline or circle or highlight that phrase, have been prepared. Jesus is saying to them and to us that we need to prepare for greatness. Greatness just doesn't happen. We must prepare for it. And God has prepared that right hand and that left hand spot for those who've earned it. That's what Jesus is saying. So He's preparing His disciples. He's preparing us for our future. And I think He's focused here in these passages on four qualities that produce greatness. Number one is humility. Jesus says this is the first quality of being prepared by God. What does humility look like? Wikipedia defines humility as that it's the quality of being modest, reverential, politely submissive. In our scripture text this morning, the brothers were wanting to be recognized by sitting on the right or on the left side of Jesus. They thought being seen somehow brought greatness. When you go through high school, you want to be recognized so that people can remember you. I was like Scott. I just really... I just kind of went through. Didn't really worry about who knew me or didn't know me. I never, I have never yet gone to a high school reunion. Uh, most of the time when I was a youth pastor, they were in the summer anyway. So I was in church camp. So I never got the, really the opportunity to go. But to be honest with you folks, I've never really had a desire to go uh, to my high school reunions. Now it is fun to kind of catch up with people. That's what I love about Facebook. I've caught up with more people from high school on Facebook than I have any other way. Because it's a great way to do it. But on the other hand, is it because I wanted to be great? And, and I thought I did it one time. I wanted to be great. I wanted people to know who I was. But along with that comes a lot of responsibility, I discovered. And when I became a Christian at 15, in the middle of my high school years... I became a Christian, and I also felt a call of minister, to ministry to preach. Everything changed for me. But the ridicule increased. Because when you take a stand for Christ when you're a teenager, oftentimes the ridicule will increase. So it makes it doubly tough to do that. Have you found that as an adult as well? It's the same. But they thought being seen would bring greatness. I started looking for some examples of greatness. I, I, I thought of Joseph. In Genesis forty-one sixteen, 
Joseph says, it's beyond my power to do this. In other words, to know what the dream meant. But God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. Joseph was humble enough to defer to God. Wasn't anything about himself. It was all about his relationship with God. Then I ran across a, a little known fellow named Mephibosheth. Any of you know about old Mephibosheth? He was the grandson to Saul, and he was crippled. And he was left out. In 2 Samuel 9 and verse 8, it says, Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Well, he had a pretty poor self-image, didn't he? But people around him had convinced him that he wasn't worth anything. Words are powerful. Amen. We must pick and choose them wisely. Amen. Because they can. I tell you, whoever made the statement, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is a liar. Words hurt you. Because we have a tendency to internalize those words. Because we want to be accepted. We want to be loved. We want to be a part of things. But Mephibosheth, this passage is David has come to him and David found him and David says, I, I want to give you half of the kingdom. I'm going to give you half of the kingdom. And Mephibosheth was beside himself. Why would you come and Show respect and any kind of kindness to a dead dog like me. Wow. And then the New Testament's a man named Cornelius in Acts 10.33. Cornelius says, So I sent for you at once and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. Now Cornelius was a commander of the army. He was a powerful, influential person. He could have called... Soldiers to his side, and they could have wiped out legions of people at his very word, at his very command. And yet God needed Cornelius to be saved. Cornelius didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so in the vision, <coughs> God sends Peter to go and speak the message of the good news of Christ to Cornelius. Cornelius was the first Gentile convert to Christianity. Did you know that? The 10th chapter of the book of Acts. It's a great story. But Cornelius humbled himself. It wasn't about him. He says, we're waiting before God to hear from you. Then I ran across a guy named David Packard, co-founder of Hewlett Packard. Defined himself as an HP man first and a CEO second. He was a man of the people. He practiced management by walking around. Shunning all manners of publicity. David Packard is quoted as saying, You shouldn't gloat about anything you've done. You ought to keep on going and find something better to do. <laughs> because once you think you've accomplished something, there's more yet to go. Daniel, or Patrick Daniel, CEO of North American Energy and Pipeline. 
company, uh, Enbridge, espouses two leadership attributes, determination to create results and humility. Shifting focus away from himself and continually recognizing the contributions of others. You see, when you get any kind of success, it didn't come just because of you. Somebody helped you. Somebody passed the ball to you. Now, our girls' soccer team, on paper, they should have won everything. They met a team that was ready to play. But the Tuesday night before that game, I watched an incredible game. And I watched Miranda. We had eight scores that night, and I'll guarantee you five or six of them came because of passes she made. I'll guarantee it. What's that called on the side when they kick it in? I don't know what that's called. Corner kick. There you go. She makes that sucker bend around just like that, and boy, the head butt right in her, you know, whatever. Unbelievable. Saw her run down the, run down the field, and she, was, she kicked it over to an open player because she saw the whole field. That's amazing. That is amazing. And doing it with a ball between your feet. Now, come on. I'd want to pick it up and run. I tell Brother Jay, I'd want to take it and run with it and lay it down and kick it. Amazing. But you know what? They wouldn't even talk about the assist that she made in the paper. They talked about the goals that were made by the person she passed it to. And, hey, that's okay because that person knew who passed it. You see, that's what it's about. The contribution and recognizing that in other people. Now you see in the NBA when somebody makes a, they'll pass it in, they'll dunk it or make a score, they run down pointing at each other, don't they? You know where that started? John Wooten. Back in his UCLA days. But really the greatest example of humility is found in Micah, the book of Micah, chapter 6 and verse 8. Taking it from the message, Eugene Peterson's translation, says, but he's already made it plain how to live and what to do. What God is looking for in men and women, it's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. And don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. Well, that's the fact, isn't it? That's the fact. Humility is a key in getting the right foundation of greatness established and leads us to the second quality. And number two is gratefulness. The essence of gratefulness is being the recipient of something. In Romans 16, we find it very well stated. Picking up at verse 3, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Verse 4, They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. You see, had Aquila and Priscilla not gone out and evangelized among the Gentiles like Paul was doing, people wouldn't have found Christ. And so there's a gratitude about that. And you see in our text in Matthew 20 and verse 24, the ten disciples, they got mad. How dare these two ask for such a prominent place? I mean, who were they? Wasn't it enough that they were able to hang out with Jesus for three years? Wasn't it enough that Jesus fed them and clothed them with, uh, without those guys ever having to have a job? Wasn't it enough that when miracles needed to happen, they were eyewitnesses of those? Can you imagine watching Lazarus come from the tomb? Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine five loaves and two fishes feeding over 10,000 people and having 12 baskets left over? And where'd those baskets come from, by the way? <laughs> you ever thought about that? He not only left, had the food left over, but God created baskets to put the food in. 
That's just the way he is, isn't it? So what are you grateful for? I found 20. I was doing an internet search of what are you grateful for, and I found these 20. I thought they were fun. Number one, my health. Are you grateful for your health? Should be, especially if you're a teenager. How about my home? My wonderful friends. Especially being a Jinx Trojan. Yay, Jinx. We taught Kelsey to go, yay, Jinx. Yesterday I said, Kelsey, say, yay, Jinx. And she goes, no. Whoa. What do you mean, no? But being a Jinx Trojan will mean a lot to them for the rest of their lives. Grateful for sunny days, snowy days, great movies, turkey sandwiches. Great food. Grateful for the internet. My ever so comfortable bed. Laughing out loud. Cell phones. These are teenagers. Text messaging. They can do it in their sleep. Grateful for my parents, my grandparents, my brothers and sisters. Great, if you live in Tulsa area, grateful for a quick trip. <laughs> grateful for Facebook, MySpace, Twitter. Grateful for my car. And then the last one I thought was the most important. Grateful for America. Living in America. Gratefulness needs to be extended to those who help us. We need to learn to be grateful. Just as the churches of the Gentiles were grateful for having the word of salvation shared with them, so we too need to be grateful for the people who have taught us, not only in Sunday school or church, but have taught us in life. In fact, it would be a great day to let them know that. When you think, and this would apply to all of us, when you think back to those who taught you the important things of life, why don't you write them a note today? Teachers especially that were special to you, write them a letter. I don't know how to find them. I bet you can work hard to find them. You could get it. You could figure it out. Send them a letter and say, thank you. It'll make their day. It'll make their day. Express gratitude. Let them know how much you appreciate them. We've looked at two qualities that make us great. Now let's look at number three. And that is generosity. Jesus teaches us and the disciples in our text in verse 25. He says how the spiritual leaders of the Gentiles lorded over them, exercise authority over them. The habit of the leaders in this time was to take advantage of people. In fact, tax collectors could extract three times what was owed. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 6, 1-4, through 4, Watch out. Do your good deeds publicly. Uh, do, do not do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do it as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Be a generous person. And I preached a few weeks ago about developing 
into three types and where you find yourself being in three types of, of, of positions as a giver. The first one was the bag giver. You never have enough. There's always holes in the bottom of the bag. Seems like you bring in, but, but you just don't have enough left over. That's the bag giver. Want to give, but you just don't have it. Then there's the bucket giver. And the bucket giver understands how God overflows. And so they give because of the overflow that God brings into their life. But the one I hope you develop into is the barn giver. And that barn giver is a person who understands that everything you have is God's anyway. And so however He needs it in whatever way He needs it, you're just going to give it. Because that's what you do out of honor and respect and, 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 to, and love to God. Amen? That's the kind of giving that we need to be. John Maxwell, another one of my favorite speakers, he said, learn to be a giver and not a taker in life. Boy, young people, if you could apply any principle, it would be that one. Humility, being grateful, showing generosity. And now number four, develop a servant spirit. Jesus defines greatness in verses 26 through 28. In verse 26, he says, whoever wants to be great will need to serve others. Verse 27, whoever wants to be first needs to be the slave. And then in verse 28, Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. It is in giving and serving others that you find your greatest fulfillment in life. Mother Teresa, probably the greatest example of humility and service to others, as she worked in the leper colonies of Calcutta, India, she made this statement. I am a little pencil in the hand of a writing God who is sending a love letter to the world. Wow. That's the power of a servant's spirit. So what qualities are you displaying to those around you? Is it all about you or do you go out of your way to find ways to serve others? Your mom and dad's young people, if you're 18 years old, your mom and dad have served you 18 years. 6,570 days, 525,600 minutes. And if you were to ask them, Mom and Dad, would you do it again? They would say, yes, absolutely. Because moms and dads, much to the sacrifice of their own lives, want to make their children's lives better in whatever way possible. And that's the essence of what John and James's mother was trying to do, though misguided as it was. And so young people, as you embark on this next leg of your journey, and Kim continues on her journey, God would want you to develop the qualities of humility and gratefulness and generosity and a servant spirit. I like music. I found a song, I think, that will capture what I've been trying to say today. Let's take a listen. Spend your whole life building Something from nothing One storm can come and blow it all away Build it anyway You can chase a dream That seems so out of reach And you know in my 
you this morning to um, help us do it anyway. Help us dream the dreams, capture the passion, make a difference, and never give up. 
And God, I don't know what the needs are on the hearts of your people here today. But I know one thing. You stand ready to love them and care for them and forgive them. God, for our graduates, as exciting a time as it is, it's also a very scary time. Because they get to move into an area of their life that's brand new. Some will move away from home and they'll have to make adult decisions immediately. And they may not feel equipped to do it. But I know that if they'll practice humility and gratefulness and generosity and show a servant spirit, that they will truly experience greatness. But God, today, if there's anybody in this room that needs to make a decision of some kind, would you encourage them to do it through your Spirit's prompting? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I offer an invitation, and if you're here this morning and want to respond, would you do so as we stand and sing this great song together?